There's this ancient story about a man called Daniel. And the story covers Daniel's life from when he was a teenager until when he was an old man. As the story opens, Daniel is living in his home city called Jerusalem, living a fairly normal life and following the culture and faith of his homeland, which is based around the worship of the god Yahweh and is part of a group of people known as the Israelites. However, Daniel's life is completely disrupted and torn apart when the neighbouring superpower called Babylon invades, conquers and destroys Jerusalem, their most sacred site, the temple, and takes the whole of the Israelites off into captivity and exile in Babylon. And so Daniel and his people are now living in a foreign city under a foreign government with an alien and unusual culture and faith system. Everything they've known, everything they've built their lives on, everything that was pretty much second nature for them has changed. They've experienced huge upheaval in their lives and suddenly they need to work out how to live in this new situation, this new culture and this new faith that doesn't recognise Yahweh or the way of life associated with the worship of Yahweh. So Daniel and his friends are forced to make a choice. They can completely fit in with what's going on round about them. They can reject their culture and their God Yahweh or they can hold on to the fundamentals of their culture and their faith while they're living in this exile under this foreign government that doesn't recognise their culture and their faith. And for Daniel, the choice is simple. For Daniel, his faith is incredibly important to him, so he keeps worshipping Yahweh. Even though everything around him is different, even although the cultural norms are to worship different gods, in fact, in Babylon, they worshipped lots of different and fairly barbaric gods, and some had pretty horrible practices. But Daniel continues to hold on to his faith in Yahweh. And one of the things that Daniel's faith teaches him is respect. And so as Daniel lives his life in Babylon, respecting the culture, but not when it contradicts his faith. So as he grows from a teenager to a man, the integrity and respect that his faith teaches him becomes noticeable and so noticeable that the rulers in Babylon see this and they eventually put him into a position of responsibility. Now at this point, the Babylonian Empire was one massive empire, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, the world had seen. And so this made it very powerful, but it also meant that there was a need to organize the empire properly. And so it was divided up into 127 groupings or provinces known as satrapies. Each grouping of satrapies had an overseer and three overseers were appointed to look after the whole of Babylon. 
So it's a wee bit like the UK being divided up into various counties, but with the different country administrations of Scotland, Wales, England and Northern Ireland looking after a group of them. So these overseers of the satrapies were a wee bit like the first minister. And so in the Babylonian Empire, there were three overseers and Daniel is appointed as one of them. So this Israelite teenager that's taken away into exile into a foreign country has risen to become one of the most powerful people in the Babylonian Empire. Anyway, that's the plan of their king, King Darius. Except the other government ministers and rulers, they don't really like the king's plan. They don't want someone from a different culture with a different faith system being given a position of such power and responsibility in the empire. And so they plot to take Daniel down. And Mary's going to read that bit of the story for us now. And you'll find it in the book of Daniel in the Bible in chapter 6 and the first four and a half verses. Mary. Good morning. The reading comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, reading from verse 4 to verse 9. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 to 9. At this, the chief ministers and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it is something to do with the law of his God. So these chief ministers and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal ministers, Prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered, in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Thank you, Mary. So the other ministers and the civil servants and folks in power in Babylon don't like that the king has appointed someone from a different culture and with a different faith to a position of such responsibility. And so they plan to take him down. And their plan is to find something in Daniel's character or his work ethic or his general practice that he's done wrong so that they can use this as the basis for getting him out of this position of power. Except 
They can't. Daniel has such integrity and such a good work ethic that in relation to his work in general character, they can't find anything that he's done wrong. this type of unethical plotting to get rid of someone who doesn't agree with the surrounding culture isn't just something that happens in ancient barbaric countries and cultures like Babylon. Dr. Narinder Kapoor is a consultant neuropsychologist and was head of neuropsychology at Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge. He had an exemplary record of working relationships with clinical or management colleagues, junior staff and students. He's past president of the British Neuropsychological Society and a fellow of the British Psychological Society. In 2017, he was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award by the British Psychological Society and he has authored or edited several award-winning books on that subject. However, he was sacked as head of neuropsychology at Addenbrooke's hospital in 2010 after an irreconcilable breakdown in relationships. He'd raised concerns about staff shortages and unqualified staff working without proper supervision. An employment tribunal that proved that Dr Kapoor's computer at one point had been hacked by a colleague without his knowledge ruled in 2012 that Kapoor had been unfairly dismissed but not because he was a whistleblower, although the tribunal recognised him as such. It ruled that the Cambridge University Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust had not conducted itself as a reasonable employer because it didn't explore alternatives to dismissing him. The tribunal ruled that accusations of fraud against Dr Kapoor were unfounded and that he was a man of the highest integrity. So it's a very modern issue that people who go against a prevailing culture for many ethical reasons are often mistreated and rejected. For Daniel, his integrity and ethic brought him into a position of power and responsibility, but those around him didn't like that a foreigner, someone from a different culture, someone from a culture Babylon have conquered, they didn't like him rising to a position of responsibility in their kingdom and following the customs of a different kingdom. And so they try to find something he's done wrong to get rid of him. Except they can't. Daniel has such integrity and such a good work ethic that in relation to his work and general character, they can't find anything that he's done wrong. And you know, there's another story of another man of great integrity that mirrors this story of Daniel.
there's another story of another man of great integrity that mirrors the story of Daniel. Another man who lived his life according to a different culture and a different kingdom that authorities and rulers didn't like because of what he was standing up for. And Mary's going to read a section of that story for us now. And you'll find that in a book called Mark in the Bible in chapter 2. Mary. The reading is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Amen. God bless this reading of his holy word. Like Daniel, Jesus wasn't one to be easily influenced and swayed by the surrounding culture. Jesus' message was one that broke down the traditions of a culture that oppressed and mistreated the most vulnerable of society to build up those in positions of power. His message was one of a culture and of a kingdom of forgiveness, healing and of radical love and inclusiveness. And in this small incident that Mary just read to us, Jesus heals a man and offers him forgiveness when the prevailing culture wouldn't have allowed this. By forgiving the man, the lawmakers felt that Jesus was claiming to be God because for them, God was the only one who could forgive sins and heal like this. And to claim this was showing disrespect to God, which is known as blasphemy. And so the lawmakers and the upholders of the culture and tradition don't like this. So they begin to plot against him. I mean, what Jesus was doing was blasphemous if Jesus wasn't God. But the claim of the Christian faith is that Jesus is God in human form and that Jesus came to bring God's kingdom, a kingdom of, a kingdom of radical inclusiveness, forgiveness and love. So Jesus was doing nothing wrong because as God in human form, Jesus is completely at liberty to heal and to forgive sins. Jesus was doing nothing wrong. And throughout his earthly life, he did nothing wrong. But because he was challenging the lawmakers and the power they'd built up, they didn't like it. And so they plotted to get rid of him. 
So over the next few weeks, as we delve a bit deeper into the story of Daniel and how that mirrors the story of Jesus, we'll see what happens to them both and what that means for our lives. But for the moment, I wonder where the places are in your life that mirror what's going on in these stories. And so I wonder whether you make decisions based on an ethic or a faith system that challenges the surrounding culture. And so I wonder how you made your decision about how to vote for in the recent elections, or how you make your decisions about what to do with your money and who you support with whatever money you have, or what organizations you support or join in Ellen, or what newspaper you read, or what pages you like on Facebook, or what books you read, or whether you use social media, or what shops you buy your stuff from, or what kind of coffee or chocolate you buy. I wonder whether your decisions are based on which political party will give you the most cash in your pocket, or what newspaper will tell you the best gossip, or whether the coffee is cheaper. And I wonder whether your faith plays any part in these decisions. Do you or have you taken the time to understand the message of Jesus and how that informs your everyday decisions? Or do you just do what you've always done, what your parents did, or what the surrounding culture says you should do? I wonder how often you look at the world and the way that we become more and more self-centered, self-absorbed, and the way this leads to a more and more divided and divisive culture and world and wished for something different, something better, where the worth of a person isn't based on the color of their skin, their gender, their ethnicity, or how much money they have. I wonder how often you look at the world and long for greater equality and a greater sense of forgiveness and understanding and for love and peace to be much higher principles. And I wonder how often we make ourselves part of bringing that into our world. The story of Daniel and how it mirrors the story of Jesus tells us that something in Daniel was different to the surrounding culture. And so I wonder how different our lives look from the surrounding culture, especially if we claim to be followers of Jesus. So as we continue through this series, we'll find out that Daniel never disrespected the culture unless it was at odds with his faith. And then in those moments and in those decisions, his faith became the highest and the overriding principle. And of course, it was the same for Jesus. And I wonder if it's the same for you and I. Let's pray together. Because you, God, loved the world. Because in Christ you walked it. We dare to pray, God, send your spirit renew the life of the earth, to connect the words of ancient scripture to the life of the world today, to let the urgent summons of Jesus surpass our reticence to respond. God, send your spirit, 
renew the life of the earth, to awaken the minds of those in power to the realities of those they govern, to confront the arrogant of the privileged with the vulnerability of the poor. God, send your spirit, renew the life of the earth, to engage the fragile state of the planet with those who carelessly abuse it, to let the pain of those who are hurting awaken the caring potential in the healthy. God, send your spirit, renew the life of the earth, to eradicate the distance between our convictions and commitments, our potentials and our performance, our prayers and our politics, our faith and our discipleship. God, send your spirit, renew the life of the earth, Convince us, gracious God, that matter matters and that all is up for redemption. And since in Jesus you destined all to be changed and made new, enable us to be agents of your purpose. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.